today on Arcade Fire Sings the Alphabet, Black Mirror. Welcome, listeners, fans, and anyone who might have accidentally downloaded the wrong podcast on iTunes. We are Arcade Fire Sings the Alphabet, and today we're going to be talking about Black Mirror. But to start us off, we're going to be talking about Neon Bible, because in our first episode, we've got to do a general kind of overview of the album, because it was the first song of that we had talked about from Neon Bible. So... I'm going to get straight into it and hit you with some uh, basic facts. But my name's Owen, and with me always is... Alex. Payende. Uh, what do you want? Do you have anything to say before we jump right into it? Yeah, we are done the first letter. We are out of the A's. And, you know, just like Neil Young says, A, A, my, my, rock and roll will never die. Out of the A and into the black. You know, uh, like uh, R- Russ never sleeps. Nice. Oh. If if you got that if if you got that reference and you enjoyed it, send us an email or contact us. You know uh, you know where to find us at this point. Um, I I'd love to hear it from you, even if Owen wouldn't. All right, Owen, what do you have to say? So Neon Bible is Arcade Fire's second album. It was re- released March fifth, two thousand and seven. They bought a church to record it in. So this church is in Farnham, Quebec. Coincidentally, this is also Windsmill name. I could easily see how this played out. Mm. They were wondering, like, hey, where should we buy a church to produce our new uh, album in? And Wynn's like, oh, I have this great idea. Yeah? What are you thinking? Yeah, I see it. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know any... I'd make some joke about one of them pitching a different... Oh, like like Regine, like, what about in Regina? Uh, Like, no, 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 no. Farnham. (laughs) Farnham, Quebec. So just outside of Montreal. It was... uh, Formerly, it was a church, then it was a coffee place, and now it is a... Like a pr- cafe? Yeah, a cafe, mm. a coffee place. Yeah, no, <laughs> the beans are grown in there. No, yeah. no, no, it's a coffee served in a cafe. And then now it's um, now they use it as a production studio. And they just sold it. They like put it up to for sale last year, the year before. For how much? I, like. I, I don't know. I just remember seeing articles saying you could buy it if you wanted to. Yeah. But they spent hours upon hours just living in this church, right, and making this music. So it's really, I think it, it's a heart, it's the heart of the album in a sense. Uh, they self-produced this album, same as Funeral. Uh, they, this album had a very interesting promotional campaign, as most of their albums have so far. It started off with they, um, they raised, they raised some money for Haiti through they released Intervention before they even released any of the singles yet, and they released it on iTunes, and all the proceeds went to Haiti. But uh, some tech guy in the background made a little mix-up, and they accidentally put on Black Wave Bad Vibrations. So that's how they leaked Black Wave Bad Vibrations. Uh, then they also have the infamous 1866 Neon Bible. So that's the phone number that you call, and uh, you get to listen to Black Mirror, the song that we're talking about today. Can you still do that? Uh, what I've heard is that it doesn't actually link to what it linked to before, and now oh. when you call, you get sent to sites with adult content. Oh. But uh, that's only what I've heard. I haven't bothered to phone. I don't know when the last time I phoned anyone was. Wait, so. like you call it and it links you? Yeah, so I, no, you call it and it like then you hit the extension. It's like a toll number, right? Oh, at the office, uh. and you hit the extension and it plays Black Mirror. I mean, oh. But obviously, I'm pretty cool. I'm pretty sure you can't do that anymore. Yeah, probably not. And then there's also the website. If they're not playing for the, if they're not paying for the the Black Orpheus rights, they're probably not paying for the uh, 
the Neon Bible website writes. Yeah, well, that would I mean a uh, call center, I guess. But yeah, but then what? What you can still do that I actually did today was you can go to the website beonlinebe.com, which is the interactive Neon Bible music video, which we'll talk about later. But uh, I think it's it's really cool. Check it out. Uh, the cover artwork for this album won a Juno. It was um, oh. it was actually a physical piece, right? Like so, the Neon Bible. It's not just like imagery computer generated. Like it was an actual like physical piece. The, the neon bible <laughs> and uh it was actually intended to go on tour with them so they'd have it in the background of their stage hmm. but what happened was it was just too fragile to continually move so that they didn't bring it on tour <laughs> a little anticlimactic there but yeah uh that's still pretty cool yeah so that's all i got for you know starting off some neon bible basic, basic facts. facts yep um all right i got some basic facts for the song so yeah, it's the first song on Neon Bible, sitting at a cool 4 minutes and 13 seconds. And one thing we didn't mention, Neon Bible was released 11 years ago yesterday. Did you know that? Why? Well, I, I mean, I said the date, but oh. it didn't really click with me. You know? Yeah, 11 March years 5th, ago yesterday. 2007, yeah. Hey, happy birthday, Neon Bible. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, this was a real regular on the Neon Bible tour, like most of the dates. And it's the first song on the album, and it was generally the first song on the set list. And the last time it was played, and the only time it was played since the Neon Bible tour, was last year on the the uh, like pre-Infinite Content tour in Scunthorpe, England, after No Cars Go and before Neon Bible. Why why are they so special in Scunthorpe? I I don't know. I yeah, like that's like in Paris they played in the back seat and they didn't play it anytime else. It's like one of the like. See, I Paris, what... I could see Paris being special, though. Paris yeah. is a pretty special city, city of love. Scunthorpe, on the other hand, is the city of potatoes, I assume. Oh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, Alex says as he lose the one fan we have in Scunthorpe. <laughs> if, yeah, if you're from Scunthorpe and we're at this show, again, let us know. We'd, we'd love to hear it. Um, but yeah, I wonder, like, what makes them decide, like, oh, the, we associate this city with this song. We want to play, play Black Mirror at this city. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they just felt like playing it, and that just happened to be the city where they're at. Yeah. Anyway, um, would you be? Would you want to hear this live? Uh, if it was like not my first Arcade Fire show, if it was a second Arcade Fire show, like it makes the second list. You know, like yes, yes, yeah, but not not the first <clears throat> list. Yeah, I yeah exactly. Um, it was the first single on Neon Bible. Um, and the first official single since Wake Up. And they announced it, as Owen was saying earlier, um, in January uh, in 2007, and it was released on the website later titled uh, under Wynn's Scrapbook. Huh. Yeah. I never saw him as a scrappy type, like, I mean, scrapbooky type. Maybe but. scrappy, like, gets into some some after-school scraps him and Will take <laughs> on the local uh, the local bullies. Like, kind of like Scooby and Scrappy. Oh, Scooby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but if Wynn is Scrappy, then <laughs> it means Will is Scooby. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Do you have anything else that you want to get into the lyrics? Nah, well, just like to talk about um, Black Mirror, uh, oh, the right, TV right, television right. series, right? So the really popular UK dark technology anthology series was mm-hmm. named after the song. The, the creator, Charlie Brooker, I want to say his name is, he heard the song, liked the name, and he was like, ah, I'm going to name an entire television series after it. And it became very popular. Also, they like, talk about like the origin of the name Black Mirror. 
from what I've seen and what I, I believe as well, is it truly comes from it's from staring at a turned off screen. So you're looking at like a television screen that's turned off or your phone or a laptop or a computer and just like that reflection of yourself in that blackness, that's that's the black mirror. Uh, the song th- also came out the same year that the iPhone came out. So I think this song is done, I really, obviously was talking a lot about other screens at that time, like television and PCs and other things. But I think it, now as we move on and become more encompassed in our phones, I think we, it really, it, it still applies even more now than it did then. And like in the same way the iPhone has grown in popularity, the song applies more. So uh, yeah, I'm ready, ready to get into lyrics. All right. You want to take the first verse? You want me to go? I'll go. All right, go for it. I walked down to the ocean after waking from a nightmare. No moon, no pale reflection. Black mirror, black mirror. To talk about this one, I have um, I've Wynn quoted as saying that much of the influence from Neon Bible, like thematically, are some of his nightmares that you'd have as a kid. So mm. interesting here. He's like, oh, that's really interesting. I mean, it continue like that's stuff. What I'm gonna be going into later. I didn't know that though. That's pretty. So this is like after waking from a nightmare. This is like a classic like wind as a child type deal. Like waking from a nightmare, and he goes and he walks to the ocean and he looks, and the ocean in this case, there's no moon. There's there's no reflection. The ocean is the black mirror. It's something so immat- immense and like dark. It's like ready to suck you up at any moment and just engorge you. And that's, that's, that's the same way your phone is. It's like there and it's immense and like what it can do and like what it takes from you is just like, it's a deep, dark black ocean. Hmm. So let's uh, see what you got to say, Alex. I, I mean, I know a lot of people say that it's like the, the album is a lot of things about technology and the dangers of technology, but I like, I don't really, I I don't really think that that, I mean, I don't think that that's really what it's about. Maybe it's a metaphor they're using, but Going on this, it's actually really interesting that Wynn was saying that it was influenced by his uh, nightmares as a kid, because I was going to say, like, from this point going forward, not just in uh, in this song, but in the show, I mean, sorry, in the uh, al- the whole, our show in general, is kind of setting the, uh, how important I think the waking from the nightmare is setting the context for this whole album. So this is the first song on the album, right? And yes. Yes, so it is. we're coming back like this is the first song continuing the narrative in this chapter. And so like the last song, the end of the previous chapter was in the backseat, which we'll get to in exactly 31 weeks. And we haven't dived into it all. But briefly, you know, that deals with a closest funeral of them dealing with death for the first time and realizing that, you know, they and we are no longer children and how terrifying that is. And so we come back with waking from the nightmare and. As we go on, I'm, you know, I'm more and more realizing how interconnected the songs and the narrative are. And I feel like we can't go as in-depth or I can't think as in-depth into some songs without briefly touching on future songs. I mean, like I did last week with Black Wave and just now within the backseat. Um, and so calling to another end of the last chapter, it puts the context in the setting of where this is starting and where they ended. So think about like Waking from the Nightmare, the end of that album quite literally is songs like Wake Up and Rebellion Lies, which, I mean, going into the music for this song, I really think this is like almost that darker nightmare version of the music of Rebellion Lies with like the dun, 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 like the very similar kind of thumping of Rebellion Lies. And so looking at Wake Up and Rebellion Lies were kind of the last two songs 
from the win male character's perspective. Because Haiti and uh, In the Backseat aren't really in the same voice. And I think the character in those songs, they start talking about what they mean when they talk about sleep. Like, you know, one with wake up, you know, wake up and you'll have to adjust. And then again, like every time you close your eyes and go to sleep, you know, lies. And I feel that this sleep, especially in this context, where we're saying that it's a nightmare they're waking up from, is that it was the day, and it was a great day, when they were young. and But now the day is over, and they've gone to sleep, and we've woken up, and kind of, regardless of what's going to happen, what happened before is over, and it's a new day, and now we don't really know where we're going. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I... I... I agree with all the critics out there who say that this is largely well, like I believe this song has a lot to do with technology, and so I'll bring that kind of perspective to this little episode. But I agree, like with everything you said about funeral, and I I'm ready to be persuaded into seeing how you see the rest of the song going. Oh boy, because I'm not even done this verse. Um, after kind of setting that that context with the night. Another thing is that I walk down to the ocean. And another theme they have pretty reoccurring is the water. And, you know, here we are. And knowing now what they kind of think of sleep and the nightmare and having to move on and wake from it, they're walking down to the ocean. And just like we talked about last week with the frozen sea, you know, we kind of see it so much that uh, we're, like, unpacking more and more what they mean on the uh, about the water throughout all the albums. And especially on this album specifically, I mean, next week we said there's going to be Black Wave, Bad Vibrations, not even to mention later on we're going to get to Ocean of Noise. And I think that the ocean sea kind of metaphor is their constant symbol of openness and escape and no limits. And like, you know, rather than the streets or roads or houses or what have you, like the ocean and the water, this is on awful sound when she wants to make it to the sea and all the songs we talk about getting to the frozen sea. And I think that as in the overall narrative, this is again that like the water in the ocean is starting to symbolize escape and purity, that kind of purity of being young and having no limits and just the purity of the water. And I feel like a lot of artists use this, you know, water imagery for escape and purity like, you know, Washing Your Sins Away, Joni Rivers River, uh, Joni Mitchell's River. Um, and like we said, this album is about growing up. And like I said, with the sleep, at this point, we've woken up, we've learned to drive, we're in the front seat, and we're going down to the water again. But the moon is gone, and we can't see our paling reflection anymore, which gives us what I think is the first meaning of the black mirror, is that it's the dead ocean. And like, you were getting into the technology metaphors, um, but and maybe that's what they meant. But I th- I'm starting to think that like this, that the black mirror is what they used to use, like their escape and mirror of their young selves is now black and they can't see themselves anymore. And we're in the next stage of our lives and it's dark. What do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. Definitely interesting. I, I like the idea of the escape in the ocean. Like, the ocean's flat. It's open. You can do anything you want, right? You can go anywhere you want, but it's dangerous. And versus cities, it's like it's you don't, you don't see beyond them. It's hard to see the horizon in a city. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like that. Do you want to go on to the next one then? Yeah. So, shot by a security camera, you can't watch your own image and also look yourself in the eye. 
Black Mirror, Black Mirror, Black Mirror. So what I get from this one is, you know, someone else is watching you and you can't see yourself on their screen pretty clearly or even know who is watching you. And I think this comes from that, like, your world is bigger. There are so many people looking at you and judging you and you're not uh, you're not really able to see how people see you anymore. Whereas before, you know, when you were younger, you may have known, like, just kind of what your general impression is and what people think of you. But there's so many people that you don't know. And, I mean, this technology, I think, is a metaphor for that. But I think it's more so that, like, there's so much more than before in your life. And when it says you can't see your reflection anymore, I think that you don't know who you are anymore because you're growing. And you can't look yourself in the eye anymore. And I feel like that's kind of, like, the main character here has kind of is just almost disgusted by who they've become. Like they can't look themselves in the eye and they can't sort of swallow the fact that they slept knowing that we feel like the, knowing that we know that they feel like the sleeping is giving in no matter what the time is, but they slept and they woke up and I feel like they despise the fact that they did. And, but this isn't like, you know, we're talking about the Kierkegaard and the adult reflecting and the reflecting age, but I don't think this is like, this isn't reflective and the reflective age. This is kind of like an angry knee jerk reaction to there's nothing in myself that's good right now. I can't even look myself in the eye. And it comes from like you, the, at this age, you haven't really had time to see who you're going to become, but just because you know that you aren't who you were before, you aren't giving it a chance, and I think it's like this isn't reflective, rather, but reactive. What do you think? I think that this is really about you can't watch your own image and also look yourself in the eye. It's the distractions of the technology age. It's losing your personal self within the technology. Hmm. So, I mean, shot by a security camera is really like it's a personification of the security camera. Like the technology is killing you. That's a really uh, interesting one. But uh, <clears throat> I'm going to say talking about... You can't watch your own image and look yourself in the eye. That one is truly, it's, it's about how you become so focused on what you have within this black mirror, like all this technology and looking over it, that you lose who you are as yourself. And I think you, I can connect that to kind of Kierkegaard's reflection and that the modern age, it's all about being the same as everyone, right? It's all about being part of the group and to stray from the group is dangerous. And it's this one the same way in this technological age and this social media sense is that you, you have to be what people expect you to be. And if you go outside of that, that's, that's dangerous. I just also want to talk quickly kind of about the irony of Arcade Fire kind of warning about these dangers of the technology, and yet they use it so effectively for the guerrilla marketing campaigns, right, to market the material. So, like, everything now as well, it's like all these, like, dangers of consumerism, but they kind of use that to their own advantage to kind of spread their own personal image. What do you, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, and, I mean, that's where, I mean, I, like, as I'm going into these, I always feel really torn, like, I mean, when I first started analyzing the lyrics, I was like, yeah, this is like for the first time we're going like what you see is what you get. This is about the, you know, technology. But now I'm like, is that what they meant? And all this stuff about growing up in the expanded narrative, is that just me or is that them? Like how deep is their lyricism? Because I certainly see everything you're saying. Like, I agree wholeheartedly all the technology stuff. Um, and I could say what I had to say about that, but it'd just be restating it after you said it co so cohesively. But like, I like, is there something more 
or is that just my interpretation? And I mean, my interpretation is why I'm doing this and it's how I, you know, hear the songs, but it's like, is that why they wrote it? And it's interesting. I mean, especially the way I see this one between Funeral and the Suburbs, which seem much more grounded. Um, Yeah, like I'm thinking of like, where does this sit in the narrative? And is it just kind of a one-off? But I'm starting to think it isn't. And what about them warning about technology while still kind of like using it effectively? Oh, um, I think it's just them being ironic. Like they've always kind of been ironic about themselves, especially when we're going to get to everything now, um, which is much more on the nose. But I feel like they're kind of talking about the issue by showcasing the issue. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it's tongue in cheek. I think they're being ironic. Okay, interesting. The next uh, verse we have here is, I know a time is coming. All words, all, all words will lose their meaning. Please show me something that isn't mine, but mine is the only kind that I can relate to. Le miroir casse, the miroir, the mirror cat cast mon reflet partout. Black mirror, black mirror, black mirror. Yeah, all of our francophone listeners, uh, our ones in Quebec and France and the rest of the world. We'd love to hear your thoughts and pronunciations. We're looking to get embarrassed, especially when we get to the song Haiti or Haiti. Um, go for it, Owen. What do you think? So, yeah, I did nine years of French immersion. None of that's really paying off here in uh. my uh, pronunciation, but I can still translate for you. So, le miroir casse is the mirror breaks. And then they get real tricky here because they go, he goes, le, le miroir casse, the mirror casts as in the mirror casts something, but then he switches right back to French with, French with mon reflet partout, which is my reflection everywhere. So the mirror cast his reflection everywhere. Um, so this one, and this is really interesting because usually it's Regine who does the French bits, right? When like a, a lot of Arcade Fire songs go English, French, English, French, right? Like switching between the two, like almost mm-hmm. like on a dime. But usually it's Regine who does it. So this is, this, this is Wynn singing the French part. And I mean, the guy grew up in the U.S. and moved to the, uh, Canada later, or Quebec later on, right? So he obviously knows French, but it's, it's different than, I mean, Regine is a true, like, French speaker. I I got a different um, translation. I thought, I got that it's the broken mirror, not the mirror breaks. Like, the broken mirror, the mirror casts my reflection everywhere. Yeah. Um... So those years are French. Yeah, French <laughs> listeners, uh, hit us up. Is it the? I mean, I, I mean, it's fine. Uh, but yeah, is it the broken mirror or the mirror breaks? But anyway, I mean, go into it. How you interpreted that one? Yeah, um, my like my reflections everywhere. I think that is like kind of like me talking before about the technology. It's mm-hmm. like you have this outlet. The black mirror gives you this outlet to to speak to so many people at one time. Right? Like, it's like you you can just reach so many people. Like you, ref- but. Is it you or is it a reflection of you? Is it you or is this this kind of part of the group that you're forced to be, but yet you're representing that to so many different people? And um, when Wynn goes, please show me something that isn't mine, but mine is the only kind that I relate to. That's that's we talk about this a lot, but that's real wind desperation voice there. Oh yeah, the wind desperation voice classic. <laughs> like, that, that's uh, you get you get some real wind uh, desperation voice, and, and like those two lines especially, and that's like, and that, I think that drives home like the meaning behind it is like, how do you own something in this kind of black mirror when 
everything is owned by everyone. Information's free. Everyone can share information. Can so who who owns you? Like how do you own your personality if you post it on Facebook? Right. That's that's something I think about when I think read this. Okay, so I'm just th- like merging our two things together now. What do you think about this? So what I've been saying is like you're growing up and you don't really know who you are because like we said, like we like we've woken up. We're no longer in the neighborhoods anymore. And not only do you not you don't know who you are in the mirror anymore, you're suddenly shown the black mirror everywhere. Like you're seeing your reflection everywhere because of technology, like you were saying, because of the security cameras, because of the reflection on your phone. You're seeing this reflection, but you don't know who it is anymore. And it's that combination, again, of like not knowing who it is, but then also seeing it everywhere. And um, yeah, like they, this age, who they are, symbolized by, you know, at the time, the new digital age, it's forcing ourselves right now to look at ourselves over and over and over again, because all these platforms to do so. And there is that constant reflection. Uh, But like in the lyrics, when it says the mirror is broken, they can't clearly see. And I think what that means is that they can't clearly see who they think their reflection should be because what they think their reflection should be is who they were, but it isn't anymore. And when they say that, I know a time is coming, all words will lose their meaning. I feel like they, they know, like they know they've woken up from the nightmare, regardless how they feel about it. And they know that they're no longer the same, but they've just woken up. And with their young, you know, rebelling, no retreat, no regrets. They're saying that, you know, losing all those feelings is the world ending and, you know, all words will lose their meaning. Like, you know, they kind of said in tunnels when they want to name their babies, but forget the names they used to know. Um, They have grown up and they kind of realize, like, you know, in the backseat, they realize their mortality and all words will lose their meaning at some point. And, you know, they're going to die. And I kind of feel like I'm starting to feel and realize that, you know, we're at the stage in my, I'm at the stage in my life that people I know and haven't known for, and have known for a while have died. And albeit not many, one, you know, or two or three is more than zero. And that things I used to care about don't really matter anymore. And these characters now, this character has realized this in their life. And at this point, I can't like that there is that level of self-awareness that there is a new reflection and they're seeing it everywhere and it's not who they used to be. And, but with all of this, they want to see something that isn't theirs, you know, cause something that isn't mine, but mine is the only kind that I relate to that. I know it's coming and I know it's happening to me, but I can't look at it. So, you know, show me something else, show me a different reflection, but ultimately, you know, they don't know anyone other than self cause it's your reflection. Like you look in the mirror, you you know, you wouldn't be able to, it wouldn't be you, but this isn't the them that they want to see or used to see. What do you think about that? That sort of thesis idea of you don't know who you are anymore and you're suddenly shown at that everywhere. Yeah, I think that really can – I like how we can merge our kind of ideas together mm-hmm. in that one. You want to hit the next one? Sure. The black mirror knows no reflection. It knows not pride or vanity. It cares not about your dreams. It cares not for your pyramid schemes. Their names are never spoken. The curse is never broken. The curse is never broken. So right now I'm saying, I think that like that Owen's, our our combined metaphor of the technology and this, the black mirror, the uh, sort of uh, not knowing who you are as you grow up, that it doesn't really critique or endorse who you become. It's kind of, 
it's just an indifference to your life. It's a reflection. It doesn't have any opinion on you. It just kind of shows you. And, uh, you know, doesn't really doesn't really care no matter what you had. Like, you know, maybe you had good dreams. Maybe you had, you know, the pyramid schemes. It doesn't really matter what you thought of yourself. It doesn't reflect that younger person and what your thoughts were before. And when it says that the curse is never broken, I think that, like, right now, again, like, it's that they just grew up and it's that knee-jerk reaction, like, oh, I, like, I, I, you know, sleeping was giving in and I've given in. And the curse of getting old is never going to be broken. And you're never going to be who you were and who you thought you were, which, again, is, like, who we thought should be and would be reflected is never going to be there again. And so what they see is different than what they think there should be there based on what they were but it isn't and they aren't the same because they've changed what do you think yeah i mean i i look at it differently i see when it says it knows not pride or vanity or it cares not about your dreams not for your pyramid schemes like pride and vanity these are two very different human reactions you have Pride is something to be, like, proud about, whereas vanity, not so much. But they're both similar ideas about how you look at yourself. But in general, they're both human. And, like, the black mirror is is something non-human. It doesn't know reflection. It doesn't know what it is to, like, kind of look upon yourself and think and question. It's 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 about looking back on yourself and thinking, what do other people think? Like, that's what black mirror is. It's, like, trying to shape you who you are for other people versus like shaping who you are for yourself. So pride mm-hmm. and vanity. And then you go dreams and pyramid schemes. Again, like dreams and pyramid schemes are both like similar things. Like dreams to be the top and pyramid schemes is like you this idea of still wanting to be at the top, but one's good and one's bad. And it's kind of inevitable in human life. Like bad bad and good are both inevitable and we still try to find a way to like balance that. But in the black mirror, it doesn't care. The black mirror, it's like these human ideas just don't don't exist there. And when it talks about like, the curse, is the curse is never broken? Like that's that's a broken mirror. That's seven years of bad luck right there. <laughs> the, the the mirror cassé, <laughs> the miroir cassé. But like that's that's what I'm thinking. Okay, yeah. I mean, I I really it's really interesting how the two theories are coming together now. Um, that yeah, like the. You know, I really like what you were saying there about the um, that we're shaping this reflection based on other people's perceptions or who we th- who we think other people will think we should be. And I think that that's just like, yeah, like growing up, like they don't know who they should be and they're kind of forming themselves. And yeah, the mirror is indifferent to it all. It just shows you what you are. Want to take the uh, yeah, the, the, the bridge? <laughs> Under toi di miroir noir, black mirror. Under toi di miroir noir, black mirror. I like it. You're Regine in this? No. I, yeah, you're Regine in this. I'm win. Uh, yeah. In the, in the back of vocals. Uh, black mirror, black mirror. Their names are never spoken. The curse is never broken. So for this one, this one really comes down. It's hard to really, this one's really hard to tell the conjugation based on how they're singing. So depending on how you conjugate the verb, it's very, pretty different. So un, deux, trois is one, two, three. But then dit miroir noir could be, it could be says black mirror or say black mirror. 
depending on how you conjugate the verb. So if you think think about it, says black mirror, this is like the mirror telling you what to do, right? This is one, two, three, almost like steps in life, right? Of what it's telling you to do and like how it's supposed to, you're supposed to react. But then you could also say, oh, say black mirror. And uh, it's still the same idea. One, two, three, not everyone together. There's like, yeah, like tongue in cheek. Yeah. Like, oh, say black mirror. Yeah. So I don't know. What do you, what do you have for this? Nothing. Uh, that's what I have. <laughs> tongue in cheek. Say, I didn't. I mean, I didn't know about the conjugations. I got the one, two, three, say Black Mirror. And I think it's just kind of like the, they're being ironic again. Like, mm-hmm. like oh, like, look at the Black Mirror. Everyone, let's celebrate the Black Mirror kind of thing. Um, and then the repeat of the names never spoken, um, curse never broken, kind of the same sort of thing that I was saying before. And then you want me to get into the final bit? Sure. Mirror, mirror on the wall, show me where the bombs will fall. Mirror, mirror, on the wall, show me where the bombs will fall. Black mirror, black mirror, black mirror, mirror. So kind of closing up my narrative for this song, I think that the show me where the bombs will fall is realizing, okay, show me who I'm going to become. Because again, like they think that this growing up is awful and death and all these destruction kind of things. But okay... Show me who I'm going to become. Show me who I am. Show me what will die and what will change. And again, knee jerk, like any change at this point is a bomb. Any change at this point is destroying. And it brings us to, I think, the end of the first song. It sets the pace for the whole album at this point. That the mindset that they're now walking into a new day and accepting that. And they've moved into the new feeling and into the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. What I got here is um, this is really the moment when we move from the song's all about me, me, me to what's happening elsewhere. So, I mean, mirror, mirror on the wall, show me where the bombs will fall. It's kind of like a reference to Snow White and the 12 Dwarves, 12 mm. Dwarves, but it's also revamped to our modern age. So at the time of the creation of this album, the Iraq war is currently happening, right? And that's, that's I feel like that's been really been in the background of this album as well as Especially but, what we were saying about Antichrist. Yeah, right. What we were saying about Antichrist. And um, that's like, up until this point in the song, we've been thinking, I've lost myself in, in the black mirror. I've lost who I am. I don't know who I am. I'm just one of the people. I'm just doing what, what I want other people, what I think other people want to see. But in this one, it's like, uh, oh, wow. Look at what else in black mirror is doing. It's showing me these atrocities. Like this, through this new technology, we're seeing things that we've never seen before, and that's 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 scary. And that that kind of power Black Mirror has, it's like really represented by at the very end of the song. Musically, it ends with like a very it's a crashing in the background. Mm-hmm. It's the industrial noises, and that's I think that's like a like a twist at the end of the song. It's like different. But. Yeah. No. I mean, again, that. Like, all of that, I 100% think symbolizes that what they think of of what growing up is going to be like. Anything else to say there? Uh, musically, I think the song is very industrial. Like, the sounds, like, in the background, at both of the, like, the start off, it starts off really quiet, right? For the first few seconds, there's no noise in the, of the album. Mm-hmm. And then, like, a rumbling kind of industrial sound comes in. And then you get the guitars, and it kind of goes into what the song is. But, like, it... At both at the end and at the start, you get this kind of industrial kind of rumbling and crashing that kind of like it sets the mood that this is a darker album. This isn't mm-hmm. this isn't funeral. This is a little bit darker. This is a little more 
Yeah. Yeah, what do you think of it being like the darker thumping of rebellion? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think like it's a very interesting like I feel like it's a very deliberate choice to make it very similar to rebellion the way that it it's starting with the waking up after sleeping is giving in and it's that immediate shift like I knew this was going to happen it's immediately darker. Yeah. Uh, I also like to point out the 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 creepy piano line the the uh, dun 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 is is really what sets the song apart from other mm-hmm. songs. It's like it's, it's I'd almost say it's the song's signature in that like without it yeah. the song wouldn't wouldn't be what it is. But so that's why I would have to say musically. I'll quickly get into the music video. Mm. So the music video it's really a uh, I have written in my notes a Noah and the whale story, but then I just realized it's it's Jonah and the whale, right? Hit me up with that. Yeah, the swallowed by yeah, the swallowed by a whale. Yeah, Jonah. So it is Nineveh. kind of a, it is kind of a Jonah and the whale story. A Veggie Tales movie. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I just saw a tweet earlier as a uh, Richard Dawkins, and he's been like, "Oh yeah, I spent my entire onion, onion article." Yeah, yeah, I spent my entire life <laughs> trying to prove that uh, people who are religious are wrong, and there is no God, and he's atheist. And he's like, then I watched one Veggie Tales <laughs> movie <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> about how an asparagus got lost in a whale, and he's like <laughs> a full believer of God now. Yeah, I, I Veggie Tales was a key part of my life. For our international fans, VeggieTales was a. I do we explain? It's it's a very, it, it it was it was a show with a kids show with vegetables that told Bible parables. It was great though. Much like Arcade Fire tells Bible parables, but with vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> so um, but the music video though, so it is kind of a Joan and the Whale story, except it's super absurdist, and it's about so there's a prisoner on a boat, the boat sinks, he's swimming for his life. And then there's this large floating head in the water, right? Like a, the size of like a Titanic size, right? And he's swimming towards it. But he ends up being swallowed in it. And he ends up into the big like head's like stomach. And he's looking through the stomach. And this is where it gets a little weird. A bunch of like pyramid people, people kind of look like triangles and pyramids, come with uh-huh. what look like, I'd say tuning forks. But you know, it's oh, like... Tuning prongs? Tuning prongs. That, uh-huh. That's what I think it looks like. And they kind of like push him onto this conveyor belt. Mm-hmm. Where he goes down the conveyor belt and ends up at this pool of water, and he looks into this. And this pool of water is the black mirror, I'd say. So he looks in and he just sees a bunch of people dancing, like a, uh, like, and they kind of like look like they're wearing kind of like um old fashioned swimsuit type deal. Uh, it's it's really absurd. So I like it. It kind of gives me this like Terry Gilliam feel, like uh, oh, like Brazil, the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. Yeah, so it's kind of like it's uh that type of deal i i like it. it's black and white it's it's an enjoyable video to watch i mean i haven't seen it but it sounds like it's like when you were saying win said that they based on his nightmares like it's very you know dream logic kind yeah. of thing yeah. yeah i didn't think of that that's exactly what it is okay do you want are you ready for a rating yeah we're gonna get to our rating after a short break and we're back with our ratings alex do you have a good metric for this song yeah, I mean, sometimes you like to go obscure, but I feel like this one, just plain and simple, how many pale reflections? Nice. I like it. So I'm going to give it 2.5 out of 5. Okay. So I was thinking a lot about this, and I, I really enjoy the song. I like listening to it, but it's my least favorite song on Near and Bible. Wow. I know. That's a big statement. Uh, especially I mean, we haven't talked about the other ones. But so to qualify, least favorite so far. To qual- oh yeah, <laughs> and also my favorite so far. Then no, but oh, oh sorry, yeah. other than Antichrist. Sorry. Well, yeah, that's the. But no, um, no, but 
least favorite over the whole album, maybe other than Ocean of Noise. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, it's, but, it's one of the, you can say your thoughts now, because by the time we get to it, it'll be No, but yeah, year, just yeah. That, uh, in general, not, like, it's a little cacophonous, it's... It's got a lot of ghostly and distant sounds, which I think suit the song, but doesn't make it something I want to listen to all the time compared to like some of the other Arcade Fire songs, which I really do enjoy. What do you got for it? Yeah, same. Like 2.5. I, mean, I was going to go with 2, but then once we were able to merge the two themes together, that bumped it up to a 2.5 for me. Yeah, it's a good song. It does a really good job setting the pace of the album. And I think it does a really good job transitioning from how we were feeling on a funeral to how we're going to feel on Neon Bible. We're entering a new stage. But, yeah, it's a solid song. It's not my favorite. I like it. It's, you know, it's a good middle ground Arcade Fire song. Yeah, well, thanks, everyone. We're just going to we're gonna do a quick shout-out to one of our fans, Stowe, who's been emailing us with his thoughts. Um, we really appreciate it. And we wanted to mention something he pointed out about why he thinks Awful Sound hasn't really been played live is that because it has so many instruments and so many layers of production that it couldn't really be reproduced live and maybe that's why they played just the acoustic version i mean thanks so much we didn't really think about that um and we'd love to hear from everyone if you have thoughts agree disagree have more facts like that we'd love to hear them thanks so much next week we're going to be back with black wave bad vibrations as always thanks so much thank you see you later